Hello, my beautiful beanies, and welcome to The Bean for Friday. First with yesterday's news, I am Glenn ZFB. We're looking back at Thursday. Uh, this weird community roadblock situation. I'm doing air quotes. I'm not really doing air quotes. I'm just saying I'm doing air quotes about that. Uh, where are we at with this? It just seems to be going on and on and on. Uh, attending funerals online. Is this the way of the future? Uh, is sport trying to come back too soon? And where is the beer? And why are we tipping it out? Uh, before any of that, uh, taking a KiwiSaver holiday. And, and can we access those funds in, in hard times? And if we can't, why can't we? Given that prior to COVID, money was being released by some providers for what looks like fairly frivolous reasons, you would think that being able to pay off your mortgage, clear your debts, give yourself a, a clean slate to start with as you try to find a new job, try to resurrect your business, try to live on your reduced income, surely that makes sound financial sense. I understand rules as rules as rules, but how many times have we been told that we're living in unprecedented times? If they are unprecedented, then maybe the rules should be relaxed and, you know, ensure that the money is is going to clear a mortgage or a significant business loan. That it isn't being used, I don't know, for frivolous reasons. I hardly imagine people people would fritter their money away that they've worked so hard for, but I don't know, it, it just seems madness really. And I can totally understand the frustration of the pilot who texted Heather last night. Here's all this money, you can clear your debts, that noose around your neck is relaxed, you can breathe again, you can sleep again, but no, you can't touch it till you turn 65. Well, good luck reaching 65 if that's the kind of pressure that's on you. I'm um, on a KiwiSaver holiday at the moment. So as many cocktails as I thought there would be on that particular holiday. Uh, but boy, oh boy, it made a difference. Jeez, uh, it's going to be hard to come off that holiday. That That's some extra cash that's certainly being put to good use at the moment and not just on cocktails. Um, the roadblocks, why are people allowed to stop people driving around the place? Why is this still going on? This latest fiasco comes hard on the heels of several other complaints about community roadblocks being intimidating. Kiwis feeling unsafe at them, gangs enforcing them, people being stopped and asked questions when they're just trying to get from A to B in their own community. It's madness. How do they have the authority to do this? Why did the PM say they could? And does she have the power to do that? Does a verbal, oh, they're just protecting their communities, does that suffice as a green light for them to take the law into their own hands? We've heard the story of the man in his 70s held at a roadblock by a gang member when he was out trying to buy milk We had the couple who said they were harassed and illegally detained. Those two stories in the past couple of weeks alone should have given the PM pause and a reason to shut them down, or at least for the police to step in and stop them. Police say they're working with the community roadblockers, but this is just another example, is it not, of that not actually being the case. There is so much going on right now, which is all theory No reality. There is a serious disconnect between what is happening in the echo chamber of the Wellington leadership bubble and what's happening out here in the real world. Memo to the beehive bubble. Less talk, more action. Yeah, it is one of those things where uh, the people in charge seem to be saying that something isn't happening, that people out in the 
you know, life, say, is happening. Um, yeah, but you do, once you get told that enough times, you do think, oh, maybe I'm just hallucinating. But it wouldn't be the first time. Uh, there's some surreal stuff going on. Like, for example, when you go to a funeral now, you just do it online. So this is, in fact, the third cyber funeral over this lockdown period that uh, I've been involved with. But this one was a COVID-19 funeral that was taking place in England. And it is my sister-in-law's mother, who I have told you, uh, succumbed to COVID-19. She had Parkinson's as well, but she succumbed to COVID-19. My uh, sister and brother-in-law had a hell of a fight to make sure that COVID-19 was on her death certificate because the UK people were not counting people in, in rest homes and in care homes. They do now. Their numbers have gone through the roof. So I sat there and I watched this funeral at nine o'clock last night and I saw Robert and Matthew, the brothers and their families, and that's all in a chapel. What was quite funny was that Matthew was sitting there. We had the camera at the back, obviously, of the, the chapel. And they were sitting there. Matthew decided to scratch his ass. And we're like, Matthew! He couldn't hear us. Matthew, we can see you. In New Zealand, we can see you. But I, uh, the speech was amazing, and the hatred you could hear in their voice for COVID-19 was incredible. Took mummy. Speech was amazing. Woman's, Susan's amazing. So I, I texted Robert, the oldest son, and I said, your speech was incredible, and he said, it is so bad here. We are so happy that our sister Emma is there. I would be there if I could. We don't know how lucky we are, mate. Yeah, it's a weird thing, isn't it? We moan and groan about various different stuff that's going on here. And yet, every I mean, obviously in my job, I've talked to quite a few people in other countries um, quite frequently. And uh, they just think that we're amazing here. Because, and the main reason is because we haven't let thousands and thousands of people die. So, and I think we keep sort of forgetting that, that that's something that we've sort of achieved. Um, it's quite good not having thousands and thousands of people die, I reckon. Uh, some people want thousands and thousands of people to go back uh, and play sport, of course. That seems so important right now, doesn't it? There's been a slight bit of sports talk tonight about rugby, but you know, no such thing as a bad idea. But, but as I heard the guy saying there from the rugby union, but I just think it is so complicated. And I think they've totally lost vision of... I think to solve a problem, you've got to think what the end game is. And with rugby, no one knows what the end game is because everyone's got different end games. That's why it's so confusing. And I do find it frustrating to talk about, you know, who's going to be the head of the new head of the rugby. You know, I don't follow it that closely, but there's always talking about some Argentinians going to be the... You know, but it's always the same. It always seems that England calls the shots and um, the islands don't do well. But anyway, I'm just not optimistic that anything's ever going to change with rugby, that it's going to be a game that the competition's changed like the NPC's changed and then we're going to have two tiers and such and such. And with all these changes, like the Super 15's changed, people just get too confused and they get sick of it. They think, well, actually, it's too much hard work watching it. It's the same with the rules with rugby. Always changing. In the end, people think, oh, well, we'll do something else. We'll watch The Crown. We haven't given up Sky yet, but we've got Netflix and certainly... I don't know what sport I'll go back to. I'm looking forward to baseball and poker. But they could probably happen even under lockdown, I would think. I really think Mar- Marcus has launched a full-on campaign to just try and get lockdown conditions permanently, hasn't he? He, he loves it so much. This is He wants it to be the way of the world forever now. And I don't think... 
I don't think we're all quite in agreement with that, are we? Um, so good luck to him on that one. Of course, when sport comes back, you will want a beer to watch it with. But will any of the breweries still be in business by then? And will they have tipped it all out? How much might be dumped? Well, it all really depends. Uh, you know, a lot of the kegs have gone out uh, just before the closure, so those ones might be all right. But uh, conservatively, there's about 10,000 to 15,000 kegs in market still, uh, and that's at least half a million litres of beer. So uh, not all of that will be poured out, obviously. Um, if we can get up and running and, and hospitality businesses can start selling again, some of that might be able to be saved, um, but some of it will eventually have to go down the drain. Okay, when does it start expiring? Yeah, look, it all depends on the type of beer, how it's been stored. Uh, some businesses will have been able to store it in fridges during that time, although a lot of them will have turned their fridges off to save power. So um, at this stage, we don't actually know. It's one of those great unknowns. Um, but the good thing was is that uh, some of the big businesses and have been able to offer refunds on untapped kegs to those hospitality businesses. Mm. So they'll be able to credit those for future purchases or have just been given straight refunds. Um, and I guess that's a big part of it is the ability for these businesses to support the hospitality sector because they're the people that represent um, our, our members' brands and, and really to consumers and to say, hey, look, you know, these, these are good beers and um, we really want to make sure that they can come out of this and be able to operate again because we know how hard they're doing. Now, I've made uh, quite a few appeals to the various different uh, brewers to just send it round to my place. I will dispose of it for them. And none of them have got back to me. I don't know what's happening there. So if you know one who's, who's considering chucking the beer out, say, hey, just before you do, get a hold of Glen ZB. That's who I am. I'll be back here on Monday with a weekend edition of News Talk ZB. See you then.